You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 145, Stop Trying to Make Nurses Happy. Did you know your nursing dream job is out there? But it's not something you find. It's something you create. And I can show you how. I'm Abby Sanchez, and I'm a life coach for nurses. Using my experience at the bedside, along with my psychology degree, I help nurses build confidence, manage overwhelm, and fall in love or back in love with being a nurse. So come along with me, and I'll help you create the career and life you crave. You ready? Let's go. You gotta stop. You gotta stop trying to make nurses happy. Whether you're trying to make your staff happy as a manager or your charge nurse trying to make the other nurses happy that you work with, or you're a floor nurse trying to make your coworkers happy, or even just as a human in the world trying to make anyone happy, please stop. That's what we're going to talk about today because you are exhausting yourself. So today I'm going to talk about it specifically in the context of a manager trying to make their staff happy. But even if you don't fit that description, keep listening because you guys know that the things I talk about on this podcast stem into all different parts of life and different relationships. So it could be any of those relationships I just mentioned where you have a tendency to people please. Maybe it's your relationship with your in-laws. Maybe it's your relationship with your husband or your kids or anybody in your life. But stick around, even if you're not a manager, because as we talk about trying to make other people happy and we let go of that, you will be able to show up in your relationships more effectively. You'll be able to show up in those roles more effectively and you'll like who you're being and you'll be able to connect with the people in your life more authentically. So today I'm going to give you three reasons to stop trying to make your staff happy. Actually, I think I kind of have four, four reasons to stop making your staff happy. And then we're gonna talk about what to do instead. I know your relationships are important to you and that's why you want to people please and try to make others happy. It's coming from a good place, but there are more effective ways to approach things so that we can show up as who we want to be. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, before we get into the episode, I finished up working on the thriving nurse podcast roadmap. If you're on my email list, maybe you heard about this or maybe you missed the email, but I am so excited to bring this to you guys because I know that so many nurses do not know about resources for support. Maybe during the pandemic as a nurse manager, as an educator, you've been trying to offer support to your team, trying to give them things that help them manage their stress because that's not your specialty either, right? Like you have so much training, you've gone to school and you have a bunch of clinical knowledge and really awesome, useful information, but your specialty probably isn't helping nurses manage their stress. And as we've gotten into the pandemic, that responsibility may have gotten passed on to you or you've kind of naturally inherited it because you're like, I know this is important. I see a need for this. And so as a nurse manager or as an educator, you're trying to help your staff learn how to manage their stress and to feel more fulfilled in their jobs and to find balance in their lives. And that's a big undertaking. I think of it like a charge nurse once told me that she felt like she was the unit everything at her hospital. She was like, when I'm charge nurse, I feel like 
I become the unit plumber and the unit electrician and the unit IT specialist because she's trying to answer all these questions and solve all these problems in these different areas that she doesn't have training for. So you might feel like that as a nurse manager educator right now. You're like, I've become the unit therapist or the unit coach, and I'm not trained for that. So while you've been doing your very best, and I appreciate you guys, and that's such a wonderful thing for you to do to realize the importance of it, I want to help you bring your nurses tools that will teach them how to manage their stress. And I know you're also really busy, so I have done all the work for you to make it as easy as possible to bring them this tool. So let me tell you about the Thriving Nurse Podcast Roadmap. So what I've done is I have selected 12 episodes of the Thriving Nurse Podcast that are really powerful and popular and teach key tools to help nurses bring down their stress. So I've chosen these 12 episodes to spotlight and I've written an email to go along with each episode. So you can spotlight one episode per month because there's 12 of them, right? So every month you can send out this pre-written email that I've done that is designed like my Make Your Monday emails. If you're on my Make Your Monday email list, they're engaging emails, they're inspiring and educational. And my hope is they'll spark that curiosity about what the episode's about. So I've written these emails. You can just copy and paste, send it out to your staff, and it will tell them about this resource that they can go to, the Thriving Nurse Podcast that's gonna help them learn tools to bring down their stress. So you don't have to do any of that work. You don't have to think about what podcast episodes would be best. You don't have to write the emails. All you have to do is grab this free guide and then copy and paste. You're welcome. (laughs) I am so excited to do this because there is a hospital that inspired this idea for me because they were spotlighting episodes of the Thriving Nurse podcast every month. And after a while, I was like, it's so cool that they're doing that, but we can make this even more efficient. Instead of everyone doing the work individually, how about I do the work and then everyone can just grab it and use it and bring these tools to their nurses. So to go grab the Thriving Nurse podcast roadmap, again, it's totally free. You just have to go to my website, www thrivingnurse.com forward slash roadmap. So make sure you type the www. So it's www.thrivingnurse.com forward slash roadmap. And you can pick up this done for you guide that's going to bring these tools to the nurses at your facility. So feel free to pick this up, whether you're a manager, a nurse educator, a staff nurse, whoever you are. If you feel like this could be useful to you or nurses that you work with, if you want to pass it on to someone in a position to share it, then please do. All right, my friends, let's talk about trying to make your staff happy. So like I said, I got three reasons that we should just stop doing this. I know it feels so important We care about people and we don't want to be rejected. So it feels really important that we make everyone happy. But here are three reasons you should just stop. Okay. Reason number one is you can't make everyone happy. If that's your goal to make your staff happy, to make everyone happy, then you're setting yourself up for failure. 
And I know it's not even just your staff. It's like also administrators that oversee you, right? So when we're like, I have to make them happy, I have to make my staff happy, that's a lot of people we're trying to make happy. And the thing is, when we do something and one person's happy about it, a lot of times someone else is unhappy. Not everybody wants the same things. So it's impossible to make everyone happy. I think of it like a genre of music. So if you were a musician and you were like, I want everyone to like my music. Think how impossible that is. Taylor Swift, if she wanted everyone to like her music, then what's she going to sound like? Because my younger brother likes Metallica and her current music sounds nothing like Metallica. So she's going to have to change herself to be heavy metal. And if Metallica wanted everyone to like them, then they're going to have to incorporate some country and some classical music and be kind of indie singer-songwriter. Like, what are they going to even sound like? It's not possible. They're going to have to take out everything that makes them Metallica because some people don't like that. And as soon as they do that, then all the people that love Metallica and heavy metal, they're not going to like it. I'm sure you've run into this catch-22 as a manager. You change one person's schedule to make them happy, and then another person is upset. Or you implement a policy to make the administrators who oversee you happy, and then all these floor nurses are unhappy. Or vice versa, you advocate for your floor staff to administrators, and your floor staff loves it. They think you're a hero but then some of these administrators don't like what you're doing. So you see how when we try to make everybody happy, it's a no-win situation, which feels terrible. Then we feel like we're failing all the time. So then guess what? Your job is miserable because it's not fun to feel like a constant failure, but that's what you're setting yourself up for. You're setting yourself up to fail when you're measuring your success by how happy everyone is with you. And that leads me to number two. It's an emotional roller coaster when we try to make people happy. Because, like I said, we can't always make everyone happy, so then we feel like we're failing. And it's kind of scary because then how we feel about ourselves is out of our control. It's like once you get on a roller coaster and you're strapped in and they have hit go or whatever button or lever they push or pull to make the roller coaster start moving. It's out of your control. You can't jump off that roller coaster anymore. It is in motion. And when we're so fixed on other people being happy with us, then we've given them all the power. We're like, okay, I'm going to do whatever it is I can do. But then it's all about how they feel about it, how they respond to that. And I can't control that. So it gets really scary. It's like, where's this roller coaster going to go? Is this safe? One minute. One person's thanking me and telling me I'm awesome, so I'm feeling really good about myself. And the next minute, I'm seeing a staff member roll their eyes, or I'm hearing some whispers, or someone's telling me that this person's upset with me. And all of a sudden, now I'm having a terrible day, and I'm feeling terrible about myself, and I'm wondering if I should even be a manager anymore. So it's this emotional roller coaster. You're not in control of it. It's like you've handed off the keys. Someone else is in charge now. And there's a lot of people in charge now, right? There's so many opportunities for people to be upset with you 
And then we make that mean that we've done something wrong, that we're not good enough. Okay, so that was the second reason. The third reason you should give up trying to make nurses happy is because it doesn't lead us to make our best decisions. When we're worried about what other people are going to think of us, and if they're going to approve, if they're going to be upset, then that's this whole other layer that comes into our decision-making that doesn't incorporate our best decision-making. So let's say you were thinking about if you wanted to implement bedside report at your hospital. So maybe you're looking over the research. You're like, okay, this is what studies show, that there are less falls during shift change and medication errors are caught and patient satisfaction is higher, whatever the research shows. I haven't specifically looked it up recently. So let's say you're looking over that and you're like, okay, here are all these reasons that I think bedside report would be a great idea. And then in your cons list, you're like, but the nurses might not like it. They might be upset that I'm trying to change things. They might think it's stupid. They might think it's not necessary. So they're going to disapprove of me. So you see how you have all these reasons you really like on one side, but then you start to question it, start to question that decision based on how other people are going to feel about it. And that's really tricky as a manager because guess what? Anytime you make a change, people probably aren't going to like it. I mean, some people will. Sometimes they'll be excited about it. They'll think it's a great idea. But a lot of the time, our brains resist change. Our brains like things that are easy, that don't require a lot of energy. So doing things the same and not changing doesn't take very much energy. So our brain is like, this is good. Things are going well. I know how to do this. But if we ask people to make a change, then their brain freaks out a little bit. And they don't know this is what's happening, but it is. Their brain is freaking out because it's like, oh, that's going to take a lot of energy. I'm going to have to think about this more. I'm going to have to try to change the way I do things and I'm going to do it wrong sometimes. And so their brain starts to panic and that's why they want to resist those changes. All right, like when there's a changing to your charting system, even if it ends up being something that people love down the road. They're like, oh, I'm so glad that got changed. A lot of times people resist it because it's uncomfortable. It takes more energy. It's like if I told you from now on, you have to drive home a different way. And it doesn't take you any longer to go that route. It's just different than what you're used to. Maybe there's construction on one road. Your brain's not going to like that very much. Sometimes you're going to accidentally drive down the road you've always gone and you're going to realize, oh, dang it, I hit construction. I'm going to have to turn back. So it takes that extra energy. You're going to have to think about it like, oh, this is the way I usually go. We're not going to go that way anymore. So it's kind of a nuisance until you get comfortable doing that, until that becomes the new norm and your new habit and it doesn't take as much energy anymore. So as a manager, if you have some ideas for change, if you think some different policies or ways of running things on your unit or at your facility would be better, if you can see all these benefits, but then your reason for not doing it is people might be unhappy, people might not like it, people might resist it at first, then you're not going to make your best decisions when it's driven by that fear. 
Okay, so those are my three reasons. And then my fourth one kind of ties back to the first one. And this is the overarching reason you should stop trying to make other people happy. It's like all the other reasons actually kind of become obsolete when you realize that making other people happy isn't even possible. So the first reason I talked about was that making everyone happy isn't possible, right? Like once you make one person happy, another person gets unhappy. But the truth is you're not making anybody happy or anybody unhappy. You're not that powerful. Isn't that great news? I know a lot of times people think you're that powerful. They think you're making them happy or unhappy, but you're not. You cannot make anybody happy. So stop trying, okay? Because what makes people happy is not what you do. Because sometimes we do something with one person and they love it. And we do the same thing with another person and they're furious, right? Like, have you ever had a friend who lost a lot of weight and you weren't sure, should I compliment them or not compliment them on this weight that they've lost? Because I've seen instances where someone has complimented a person on losing weight and they appreciated it. They were so thankful for that compliment. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you noticed. And they felt more motivated to keep exercising or to stick with their diet. But I've seen other people when they get a compliment about losing weight, but they don't like it. Maybe they feel like that reinforces the idea that When they were heavier, they weren't as lovable or as valuable. So they don't like people commenting on their weight either way. Maybe they feel kind of embarrassed, like, oh, they thought that I was so heavy before. They assume you have all these judgments about them from before. So what I'm saying is if our actions were what made people feel how they do, then every time we take the same action, people would respond the same way. Everyone would love it when you compliment them for losing weight or everyone would get mad, but that's not the case. People respond in different ways and it's because we aren't that powerful. We're not making them feel what they do. It's their thoughts about it. When they think I'm doing a great job, I look really great, people are noticing it's paying off, I've been working hard then they appreciate when you compliment them for losing weight. And when they think this is embarrassing or I was so heavy before and everyone was judging me then or I better not gain the weight back or I won't be as lovable. When they think all of that, they feel insecure and upset. Okay, so you are not that powerful. I realized this on Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day was last month, right? And if I had approached Valentine's Day with the mindset of how can I make my kids feel loved, then it could have been a frustrating day because I wanted to do something special for my kids. So I got them each a basket and put a few little toys in there to show my love for them on Valentine's Day and just to do something kind of fun out of the norm. Now, if my mentality had been, I'm doing this to make them feel loved, then I could have been kind of frustrated. Because when my kids came and saw the toys, I mean, Eli was ecstatic because he's not even two years old yet. So he's just like, oh, new things. He doesn't really get like, this is a gift for me and this is for sister. But my four-year-old, Evelyn, 
as she was looking through the toys, there were several things that I had gotten for both of them. And then in each of their baskets, there were a couple things that I thought Evelyn would really like this and Eli would really like this. So I got them a couple different things. And as Evelyn was looking through the baskets, she was like, oh, Eli got a toy dinosaur. Where's my dinosaur? And started to get upset that she didn't get the same things that he had gotten. So if my goal had been to make her feel loved, then I would have thought I failed. Or I could have been really frustrated because she wasn't feeling loved. She was feeling kind of jealous, at least for a moment. She did appreciate the gifts, but for a moment she was feeling a little bit jealous or disappointed or left out. So when this is our focus to make other people feel appreciated, maybe as a manager, that's when your goal is like, I want to make my staff feel appreciated or we want to make them feel happy or less stressed out. When we are trying to make them feel a certain way, you are not that powerful. So how do we stop? How do we stop trying to make them happy? How do we stop people pleasing? First, I want you to realize that you're a good person. A lot of times when we're trying to people please, that's what we're trying to convince people of, that we're a good person, that we're not selfish, that we're kind. What if you actually believed all of those things about yourself? Then you wouldn't have to put so much energy into trying to convince other people. You wouldn't have to pretend all the time because that's who you are. This was a big realization for me. I used to hyper vigilantly monitor myself in social situations. I'd be like, I don't want to say something awkward or rude. And I would be really fixated on how are other people going to respond to me? And once I realized, I was like, I'm trying to convince everyone that I'm nice, but I'm actually a nice person. So why do I need to monitor myself so closely? And once I realized that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to have that trust in myself that I'm going to show up with compassion and kindness and be genuine and authentic and loyal and kind. Did I already say kind? I don't know. I'm going to be all of that because that's who I am. Am I going to do it perfectly? No, of course not. Sometimes I'm going to say things and be like, oh, that actually wasn't very kind because I'm not perfect. But I know that my norm, my default, who I am at my core is someone who is kind and wants to be loving and generous to others. So when I make mistakes, I will own that. I will apologize. I will be open to hearing how other people are feeling and responding to me. But I'm just going to trust myself that I'm going to show up with kindness and love because that's who I already am. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to try to trick anyone to believing it. So that's step number one. You have to first believe that about yourself. Do you trust yourself? Not do you trust yourself to be perfect, but do you trust that you at your core are a kind, good person who does care about your staff? Once we can make peace with that and accept that about ourselves, then it becomes a lot less scary because then we don't have to pretend. We don't have to trick people anymore. Okay, so that's step number one. Step number two is instead of paying attention to how everyone else feels, focus on how you feel. 
So a lot of times when we're people pleasing, that's what we have to pay attention to. How is everyone else responding? And it gets tricky because sometimes people respond and they say, oh yeah, that's cool with me. I'm happy about that. Or you're doing a great job. And then we don't believe them. So we get caught up in our heads being like, did they really mean that? Or did they mean this? And this person said this, and we're trying to put all these puzzle pieces together and we go into detective mode. And then we're just distracted and driving ourselves crazy because we don't know what the truth is. So instead of trying to figure out how everyone else is feeling and if what they're telling you they feel is really accurate, instead, focus on what you do know and what you can control, how you feel. Do you feel loving towards your staff? Do you feel curious about them? Do you feel kind and compassionate and open? If you're feeling those things, then it's okay if they're feeling upset. It's okay if they're stressed out and overwhelmed. We can give them permission to feel all those things because they're going to feel them anyway. Us trying to control it doesn't change how they feel. But then we can be who we want to be. We can be more centered and grounded and there for them when they need to come to us. Because imagine if they're stressed out and we're stressing about them being stressed, then when they come to us for help, We're not in a good place to help them. We're not in a good headspace. We are stressed out ourselves about them being stressed. Where if we can be calm and we can be at peace with them being stressed out and be focused on how we feel, which is loving and kind and open, then we show up as who we want to be. The third thing we need to do is recognize that emotions aren't dangerous. That is how we get to peace with them feeling uncomfortable emotions. When they're stressed or unhappy, when they're sad, whatever it is they're experiencing, I know we want to take that away, but it's because part of us thinks it's dangerous. Our brains don't know the difference between physical pain and emotional pain. So when we see someone suffering, especially when it's someone that we feel some ownership over, like a parent to a child, when you see your child suffering, we want to take it away because we're like, that's dangerous, that's pain. But physical pain is dangerous. Emotional pain is not. Emotions are just sensations going through your body. Just some tingling in your chest or queasiness in your stomach. It's not actually harming you. So we need to recognize emotions aren't dangerous for us to feel and they're not dangerous for our staff to feel. And then we don't have to freak out. We don't have to panic when they're feeling uncomfortable emotions. And just like we want to trust ourselves, like I trust myself that I'm a good, kind person, we want to also display that trust the other way. Not just that they're good, kind people, but that they are capable of managing uncomfortable emotions. They might not like it. They might blame you for it. They might not realize they're creating their emotions through their thoughts and that emotions aren't dangerous. But if you know that, then we can give them that trust. Like, I trust you that even though feeling stress is uncomfortable, you are capable of feeling it. Then we don't feel that need, that panic, that urgency to take it away. And when we do that, then we stay grounded in who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? What decisions do I think are best? 
And I'll take into account everyone else's input and their ideas and their reasons for thinking it's good or bad when I make decisions for the unit. But I don't have to be thrown off course by this fear that people might disapprove of me. Okay? So those are the three things I want you to work on. One, trust yourself. You don't have to fool people into thinking you're good and kind because you are good and kind. Number two, keep the focus on how you feel. Who do you want to be? Just like with me and my kids on Valentine's Day, I'm not trying to control them and make them feel loved. I just want to be a mom who expresses her love in this way. So you can be a manager who expresses your appreciation for your staff in a certain way. And it's up to them if they choose to feel appreciated or not. And then number three, trust your staff. They are capable of handling any emotions. It's not dangerous to them. Their body was made to process those emotions. So you don't have to take it away. And you can't anyway. All right, my friends. So I hope that helps you ease up on the people pleasing. It takes practice. I know we've been thinking that other people's opinions of us and their emotions about us are so dangerous. We've been thinking that for a long time. Many of us have. So practice redirecting your brain to these things. It's not useful. It's not helpful. It doesn't help me show up at my best. I'm actually a better manager when I focus on my emotions, when I focus on who I want to be. And I'm not saying to completely disregard other people and their opinions and how they feel. I'm just saying don't let fear of that be the driving factor. Okay, so you staff nurses who are here listening, I don't want you to think I'm telling managers to just disregard you and not care about how you feel and make decisions that are just about the bottom line. That's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, what I'm encouraging is to not let fear be the driving force, to not let controlling other people's emotions be your top priority because it's unpredictable because you can't control that. And you're going to be very wishy-washy and less effective as a manager if you do that. Okay? So as we let this go and we take into account other people's opinions and ideas and what they're requesting of us, as we take all that into account along with our own knowledge and expertise and what we truly think at our core is for the best of everyone, for the better good then we can create systems that work better. Not just a system that works for one person here or there in order to try to please people, but a system that's intentional and evidence-based and is designed to be fair. All of that. It's not going to be a perfect system, but you're going to be more effective and grounded as you lead your team toward that system. Fear doesn't get us there. All right, my friends, you got this. All right, and to further help you and to support your staff, make sure you go grab that Thriving Nurse podcast roadmap. So that's not gonna make your staff feel less stressed out. I just want you to know. It's going to give them a resource and they get to decide what they do with it and it's gonna offer them some thoughts to think that help them generate less stress and more fulfillment and more confidence, but that's all up to them right? But you get to be the manager, the educator, the leader that you want to be. 
So to grab the Thriving Nurse Podcast Roadmap, it's totally free. Just go to www.thrivingnurse.com forward slash roadmap. So type the www.thrivingnurse.com forward slash roadmap. And you can grab this free resource totally done for you. That's going to bring the tools of the Thriving Nurse Podcast to your nurses. All right, my friends, have a beautiful week. I'll talk to you later. Take care.